This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Monday, June 14th, and today we're looking at what went down in the conference semifinals over the weekend, as well as what is immediately ahead in the playoffs. We'll look at how the Sixers took lead over the Hawks. A big shift in the Bucks and Nets series with Kyrie Irving going down with an injury, and how the Suns became the first team to move on to the conference finals. All of that and more is coming up in just a second. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. As we welcome in everyone listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube, I'm joined right now by Steve Alexander. Steve, how was the, uh, how was the weekend? Oh, weekend was pretty good. I had a good time. Actually, didn't get to watch a ton of basketball, but saw enough that I know what happened. Actually, I'm kind of glad I missed the first half of the Hawks game. That was kind of nice. And then the Kyrie Irving thing that you mentioned and the Nikola Jokic thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot There was a lot going on in hoops, and uh, it was a good time. Well, we're going to talk about all of that in just a second, and including that Hawks game, which was truly, if you're a Hawks fan, one of the most miserable things to watch and uh, we'll get into that a little later but first the first game on Sunday it was the Bucks 107 the Nets 96 the big story here obviously is that the Nets lost Kyrie Irving to a sprained right ankle Steve Nash has said his status is uncertain for game five though he was on crutches and in a walking boot Steve so we would have to guess that Kyrie is not going to be available for the Nets in the immediate future and suddenly I mean this is just taken a wild turn the last couple of games yeah it really has i mean they lost james harden what 14 seconds into the game was it game three game two game one game one that's right right, right. yeah it's the very beginning of the series so they lost james harden right off the bat and then it still looked like the nets were just gonna roll roll the yeah. bucks uh but now you take Kyrie out of the picture and it kind of leaves kevin durant 
out there on an island with guys like Joe Harris and Bruce Brown and Blake Griffin and Jeff Green and Nick Claxton. It's just not a very intimidating group of guys if you get Kyrie and Harden out of there. And Harden, you know, hamstring injuries, I'm sure they're scared to death he's going to come back, aggravate it, and then be done for the for the rest of the playoffs. And then this Kyrie sprain was really, really bad. It looked really bad on TV. And, you know, if I'm watching that happen, say, in January, that's one of those things that Reggie Miller and I would call it a monther. Like, it, he's going to be out a month. But I'm sure they'll do everything they can to get him out there in hopes of not not folding and collapsing and losing the series. But it looks totally different today than it did last time we talked about it. Man, it's fascinating because Game 3 happened and it was it was like the – Bucks pulled the Nets into this really ugly one, 86-83. Kevin Durant shot 11 for 28. Kyrie went 9 for 22. Joe Harris went 1 for 11. And it was the feeling, certainly among a, a couple Bucks fans that I talked to, was, well, the Bucks just caught the Nets on a really bad shooting night and pulled that one out. And and if you're a Bucks fan, you're thinking, well, we're not going to do that again. But then this happens. Durant shoots 9 for 25. He doesn't have... You know, all of the focus is on him. He's now 20, 20 of 53 shooting the last two games. And the only other Brooklyn player in double digits in game four was actually Kyrie Irving. So, Steve, meanwhile, looking at this from the Milwaukee side of things, Giannis went for 34 and 12. But just on the Giannis percentage watch, he was <laughs> one for five on threes, five for 10 from the free throw line. So if you're keeping track, which I certainly am, in this series, he's 11 for 29 from the free throw line. And he is five for 37 on threes in the playoffs, but no sign of slowing down, just hoisting up the threes. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I do look at Giannis's free throws and three pointers like every every game, whether I'm covering it or not, I always, always be sure to pull up the, the box score, see what Giannis did. But really, for me, you mentioned Kevin Durant's horrible shooting. PJ Tucker, man was kind of a, a beast in this game, and he's been playing really good defense on Kevin Durant um, the last few games. And I just didn't see P.J. Tucker having this in him. He also scored 13 points, which is the most yeah. he's ever scored in a Bucks uniform. And I, I thought he was the key to the whole thing for Milwaukee. He was probably the key to the whole thing for a lot of people in DFS if they ended up using P.J. Tucker because I think he was coming off a scoreless game. He was 0 for 4 scoreless recently that may have been game three but either way i think he was 3700 his salary on FanDuel, and i almost used him and i was like i can't i just can't do it, it, it but that was the move i mean that that absolutely would have paid off if you'd done it well and he was so fired up and just from, just from a reality standpoint like he inspired the rest of his team i think to play well and you know chris middleton has finally woken up he's he's playing very well drew holiday's doing enough but yeah, I, I mean, the the question becomes, Steve, so game five is on Tuesday night. We're assuming the Nets are going to be without Harden and Irving. Can Kevin Durant do this by himself? Well, by himself is a little a little unfair to his teammates, but you get the point. Can Kevin Durant carry the Nets to victory in game five in an absolutely enormous game five? And it's back in Brooklyn. So they have they have to win that game. Like the winner of game five, and it's true of most series. I feel like the winner of game five usually goes on a win if it's a close series going in. So, I mean, it's a must win for Brooklyn. I don't know if they can do it or not. And we did see we did see Blake Griffin only play 25 minutes in game four, and they said it was just he's been putting a lot of minutes on his body, and he's 
He's one of the elderly statesmen there in Brooklyn, <laughs> so I think they're saving him maybe for game five. But, I mean, Kevin Durant is going to have to find a way to get P.J. Tucker off of him, and he's going to have to control the game. And then a guy like Joe Harris and Bruce Brown and Mike James, who is now the point guard in Brooklyn, like all three of those guys are really going to have to have to go nuts. Never would I imagine, Steve, that we basically would be that we would be seeing these things from Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin having to do this much after he was borderline retired. I mean, that might be going a little too far, but the notion that Blake Griffin has to come up big for Brooklyn in the playoffs is not something that I was expecting to be talking about. Nor did I think we'd be talking about that from Mike James either. Like Mike yeah. James is like Mike who? And he's had some big games throughout his career. He's had a long career. And I don't think Mike James thought he was going to be uh, a huge piece to what's happening in game five. But he is. He's probably going to be starting at point guard. All right. The late game on Sunday, ultimately a very entertaining one. The Suns 125, the Nuggets 118. As the Suns eliminate the Nuggets, sweep the Nuggets, and move on to the conference finals. Two big headlines here, Steve. Number one, Chris Paul was absolutely ridiculous in this game. 37 points on 14 for 19 shooting. He was drilling mid-range jumpers all over the place. Some absolutely vintage old-school Chris Paul moves with the fake pass, the spin on it back to himself, pulling up. And a vintage old-school performance did not attempt a single three, had a layup on a fast break where he may not have been high enough to slap glass had he tried. Just an incredible performance by Chris Paul and Devin Booker scored 34. But the other big storyline here was the Nikola Jokic ejection on what was deemed a flagrant two where he took a swing at campaign, hit the basketball, Steve. He also hit campaign's face. But Reggie Miller was saying over and over, I think that's a flagrant one. I think that's a flagrant one during the lengthy review. It ends up being a flagrant two, and they throw the MVP of the league out of the game. It was completely ridiculous, Steve. Did you have the same reaction? Um, well, first of all, I was kind of surprised it took Reggie Miller like four uh, instant replay reviews to figure out that Jokic actually smashed campaign's face in. And he's like, oh, all ball, all ball. No, no, he smashed his nose and he, he hit his nose really hard. And I think the reason that it was a flagrant too is because Jokic was mad that he didn't get a call right before that. And yes, he was going after the ball when he slapped it away from campaign, but he also, the way he wound up and came down, like it was, it was kind of a violent move and he was not trying to hit, hit campaign in the face. He was just, like the incredible Hulk and lost lost control momentarily and yeah and he did hit it. he did hit him in the face like when I saw it and was watching and listening and waiting for the the announcement I was like I could see him being ejected I could see it being a flagrant one like I thought it could have gone either way I wasn't I was a little surprised that in a in an elimination game for Denver that they would throw out the MVP who hasn't even had a flagrant foul in the last three seasons yeah out of the game. But I was not shocked. I was shocked. And I think the operative phrase is what you just said. He didn't mean to hit campaign in the face. He was, yes, he took a very frustrated, wild swing at the ball. And as you said, he was, he, he fully like hulked out for a second there and didn't know where he was probably and didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> and he did hit the guy in the face, but clearly it, it seems pretty clear that was not his intent. And the fact that he followed through and hit the ball, I think underscores that. So I don't know. To me, that's just that's just way too far. And were you gonna I, yeah. say? Were you gonna say that's bush league? 
I wasn't, but if you want to say it, yeah. I sure. thought it, I thought what wasn't Bush League was when Jokic, before he left the court, went and you know talked the campaign and shook his hand and said, "Sorry, dude, I, I wasn't yeah. trying to break your nose." Exactly. <laughs> that yeah, I'm sure that's what he said. I didn't mean to do that. And campaign's like, I know. It probably that was the conversation. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> and it probably didn't matter anyway. It probably didn't matter, but, but it might I mean, if you're a Nuggets fan, imagine how mad you are. Your team is in the game at least, and you know. You're always hoping that you can, you know, sneak back into the series, even though you're down 3-0 and you're probably done. I mean, it just leaves you feeling a little bit cheated. Do they really have to make an example there? I don't think they did. And anyways, so yeah, Denver fought back a little bit. <laughs> Will Barton had 25, MPJ scored 20, Jokic 22 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists before the ejection. Steve, quick fantasy spin this forward as we do when a team heads to Cancun or wherever they go at the end of the season. Uh, the Nuggets are out, obviously. Is there any doubt for you when you look at Nikola Jokic and the combo of age, durability, and production that he is the clear number one in fantasy drafts next year? There's no debate here, right? I mean, no. I get you and I talked about it last year. If we can get playoff Jokic from day one, he's going to do things that are mind-blowing. And that's exactly what happened this season. So hopefully playoff Jokic is now regular season Jokic all the time. I don't know how you take anybody else. You are running, have been running the Michael Porter Jr. fan club for a while now, Steve. I think you drafted him in about 36 different leagues. He was... 27th overall in nine category leagues, according to basketballmonster.com. Ended up averaging 19 points per game, just over seven boards, close to a steal and a block per game, and nearly three three pointers per game. So, considering that he was already inside the top 30, we expect some improvement as he's still extremely young and, and ascending. How high do you have to take Michael Porter Jr. if you want him in fantasy next year? Well, unfortunately, I think you're going to have to overpay for him if you want him because he's kind of like a. It reminds me of like my daughter brought home a kitten the other day, like this little orange fur ball. And, you know, kittens are fun and they run around and they chase their tail. And they, like it tries to fight with our small dog every day. Like they just try to they just beat each other up all day. And it's it's cute. You can charge admission to watch it. But that kitten needs to grow up to be a cat and become a little more serious. Not as fun, but more like just does the dirty work, eats and sleeps and leaves everybody alone. Porter reminds me of a kitten. Like he's just kind of out of control and he, he hasn't refined his game yet and put everything together, but he's super, super fun. I, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I think you have to take him in round two. If you want to get him, he's not, somebody's going to take him in round two in your draft. Yeah, I think so. Also, I don't think that someone's going to be me, but, but I, I think it'll be fun for whoever does. I probably just, not going to be me either. I'll probably wait. If he's there in the third, I'll take him. But maybe, I mean, could he make the leap to be like a 20.9 rebound guy and, you know, with three three-pointers a game and a steal and a block? If so, he's going to be worth a second-round pick in fantasy. So maybe I should be that guy in round two. It, it's going to be one to watch, and I agree with you. I mean, I think he's going to make that jump where you're going to have to take him maybe even inside the top 20. Well, and it also depends on, on how the rest – of us and other fantasy analysts feel about him and, and how much hype we give him prior to the season. I mean, it's, it doesn't take a lot for us to talk a guy into being <laughs> taken a lot higher than he, than he should be. So a lot of it's going to depend on the hype because I think as next season approaches and once 
we forget about some of his shortcomings, we could, I could see us talking Michael Porter into being a, a first round pick. I could see him doing everything that I hope that John Collins would do this year when I took John Collins in the second round of a lot of fantasy drafts. And a side note, you, you know, talked about Michael Porter Jr. needing to grow up a little bit as a player. It was mentioned on the broadcast that Phoenix is basically hunting him on, basically trying to isolate him on defense every opportunity they could. And he was shying away from, <laughs> shying away from switching on the, the pick and rolls. And I saw that there was there was one play in particular right after that where they tried to get him onto a switch and like MPJ just ran out of the play basically. <laughs> yeah, and Chris Paul ended up just getting to the paint really easily on that play. Anyways, I don't think we can exit this whole conversation though without mentioning Chris Paul just briefly because I know we already kind of hit the Suns, but you said. You mentioned it, but 14 of 19 shooting, 9 of 9 free throws, 37 points, 7 yeah. assists, 2 steals, all mid-range, like all mid-range. Mid they asked him about it after the game. He's like, man, when the you know when the, the game changed and everybody started shooting threes and ignoring mid-range, I was like, how can I take advantage of that? And like, apparently he's figured it out. He just didn't let us know until the playoffs got here. So props man. to Chris Paul, man. What an incredible game. Devin Booker looks great. DeAndre Ayton looks great. I think we all slept on the Suns heading into the playoffs. And what a story. Yeah. And, and when you see Chris Paul get to that right elbow, an alarm needs to go off in your head because that ball is going up. That is his spot right there. How many times do we see him get to that right, that right elbow and just pull the trigger on that little fadeaway? And it was automatic. So yeah, pretty amazing all around. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let's rewind to one game from Saturday. The Clippers beat the Jazz 132-106. to We called for more volume from Kawhi Leonard, Stephen. We got it. 34 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists on 14 of 24 shooting. Your favorite playoff performer, Steve, Paul George, had 31 points, six threes, five <laughs> dimes in this game. Reggie Jackson and Nick Batum added 17 each as the Clippers shot 19 for 36 on threes in a 26-point win over the Jazz, who once again did not have Mike Conley and had a couple guys struggle. Boyan Bogdanovich and Jordan Clarkson combined to shoot seven for 26. So, I don't know. The Clippers have been such a have almost been predictably unpredictable in these playoffs, Steve. You know, j just when it seems like they're toast, they come back and look great. Yeah, and everybody on the Clippers, I mean, basically shot the ball well. And most players on the Jazz did not shoot the ball well. And while it looked like this series was 
kind of in Utah's hands after the first two games at home. If the Clippers win tonight, then they are, I mean, it's 2-2. And you have Kawhi Leonard, you have Paul George. This is far from over, far from over. So this kind of feels, well, it's must win for for the Clippers. And it almost feels kind of must winning for Utah too. Like a game tonight, man, for the Clippers. Donovan Mitchell had 30 in this game, but tweaked his ankle late. He has basically said he is going to be good to go for game four on Monday, but it was interesting. You know, he couldn't land on that ankle at one point late in the game. And then you saw him go to the tunnel and you're thinking, oh man, he is done. This is really bad for Utah. Then he comes back out. looks like he's talking to Quinn Snyder about possibly coming back in the game, but the game is basically over at that point. So apparently from what Mitchell said after the game, it wasn't worth risking it at that point, but I don't know. Let, let's watch that ankle up until game time. But I will assume that Mitchell is going to be all right. And Steve, let's rewind to Friday as the Sixers came into Atlanta, dominated the Hawks, 127 to 111. The Hawks ended up cutting the lead to five at halftime of this game, but absolutely got smoked in the third quarter. It was 34 to 19 Sixers in the third quarter. This was a very, very hard game to watch if you were a Hawks fan, Steve. <laughs> well, thankfully... My wife and I were hosting trivia for the first, uh, basically half and a quarter of that game. So half and half and half, half a and quarter. a quarter. How does that half work? and half, half a quarter? Half uh, okay, half and we, half. We quarter. got there yeah. in like midway through the third. I got in front of the TV. There's no TVs at this place where we do this trivia thing, which is frightening, but terrible. Uh, actually, I was kind of glad. I sat, like when I turned it on when I got to the spot. And saw the score and watched. Oh, we're only down fifteen. We we can come back from this. We got this. And then never made a dent. Never got any closer. Never. It really never got blown open. It was just. That was just a dom- another dominant performance by Philadelphia. And had to be frustrating to watch. You were there, right? You were in the arena. I was there. I was there. I picked a picked a good one to go to. Was it just uh, horrible? It was true. It was awful, honestly. I mean, there were moments you kept thinking, oh, well, the Hawks are, are about to get back into it. And then and then they would miss an open three. And then, you know, Furkan Korkmaz would throw in an off-balance three. That was the kind of thing that was happening all night long. And Bede was really good again. It's notable that the Hawks double-teamed him quite a bit in this game. He ended up going for 27 points, his lowest of the series, but had nine rebounds and eight assists. So the two things that really stand out to me are, number one, Joel Embiid's flopping to the floor is is reaching new heights. He he had one play where he dove forward, and on review, the ref still called it a foul, even though there was no contact. So yeah, just that. absurd refer. The refereeing is so bad. So I mean, I I don't blame Embiid for flopping around, given the way that they're calling the game because he's getting the calls. So why would you stop if you were him? And number two, the Hawks' refusal to put Ben Simmons on the free throw line is absolutely maddening, especially in a game where you're losing, you're down by double digits. You have literally nothing to lose by taking some fouls on Ben Simmons and making him earn it at the free throw line. I think he's, wow, what is the number now, Steve? Give me your reaction while I look up Ben Simmons' free throws because it's something ridiculous, like 13 for 40-something. Yeah, he was four of eight in that game, and it was it was terrible before that. So, But yeah, I mean, Hacka Simmons should be automatically happening at this point it shouldn't even be a question also uh and beat also took a legit fall in that game when he kind of came down under capella was underneath him and and got flipped and fell flat on the small of his back 
And uh, that could leave a mark because Embiid has had some back problems this season. Quick math. I think he's 17 for 48 from the free throw line in this in the playoffs. That's really good. You don't need me to tell you that that's probably the best defense you're going to play if you're the Hawks. Their defense looked horrible. And I'm not saying you win the game if you if you put Simmons at the free throw line, you know, 15 times in that game. But why not try it in a game where you have nothing working and you need a spark? It was maddening to watch because I think a lot of Hawks fans were screaming for it. And for some reason, they wouldn't try it. Did you say, did you say 17 for 48? I said 17 for 48. Yeah, I've double-checked that a few times. 10 for 28 against the Wizards in round one, and then he is now 7 for 20 against the Hawks. All right, well, when I get you to finally make a trip uh, up to Dahlonega and we play 18 holes of golf, when we're done, we may have had some drinks in us. I don't know. We're going to go to the Dahlonega Park and Rec and go to the gym take some blindfolds and we're going to shoot 48 free throws blindfolded okay and see if we can make 17 of them because i bet one of us will do it all right done deal or maybe combined maybe combined uh i accept that challenge we'll hit 17 free throws blindfolded i accept that challenge and let me just say the sixers size it's been written about a few different places the Sixers size is really becoming a huge factor in this series the Hawks just don't have answers we've talked about the glaring absence of DeAndre Hunter it's just looming incredibly large they're choosing between starting Solomon Hill and Tony Snell at this point I think I would just do something like roll the dice and start Danilo Gallinari and go with a big lineup <laughs> I'm serious I mean oh I would too what do, you, what do you have to lose those minutes where you're playing Solomon Hill for you know however many minutes at the start of each half are absolutely crushing the Hawks they're playing four on five on offense and defense. And I don't mean to, you know, slam Solomon Hill, who, as I, I, I like to say, seems like a, a great guy to have in your locker room. <laughs> but he is he is out of the team, out of the players that are starting. He's the clear minus out of the 10 players who are starting in this series. And and it's hurting the Hawks. It's not well, his fault keep, that he's been put in this situation. But try something else. We keep talking about how deep the Hawks are and like start Kevin Herter, start Gun Ari, start uh, Lou Williams, do something different. Yeah. Than Solomon Hill because it's it's clearly not working. Uh, Danilo Gallinari has always been a starter in this league. He doesn't start for the Hawks, and he was really cool about it. But put him in the starting lineup when he signed with the Hawks. We all, I, I thought he would start for the Hawks anyway. And if you're struggling like you have in the last two games, do something different. Put Gallinari in there. We'll see if Nate McMillan has that kind of change in him because I don't know if he does. All right. Well. Hawks are in trouble. Hawks need to spark. I think they have a chance to get back in this series, but the Sixers have clearly figured something out. The Hawks' half-court offense looked stagnant and bad against a very good Sixers defense, and the Hawks need a uh, need a monster spark to get back in this series. Any final thoughts for you, Steve, before we depart? Somebody said on Twitter, is this a must-win game for the Hawks? And I was like, are you kidding me? Game, game four at home? Game three. <laughs> game three was a must-win uh, for the Hawks and game four certainly is a must win at this point. So yeah. All right. We'll be watching. Yeah, indeed. We'll be watching. That's going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening with us on the podcast and for watching live on YouTube. We are back on Wednesday and Friday this week to talk more playoffs. Steve, thanks, man. I'll see you on Wednesday. All right. Good luck tonight. Yep. Same to you. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, 
Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.